When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Warning, this podcast may contain snippets of other episodes from long, 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 long time ago that may contain bad language and content that some listeners may find offensive. I don't think you put enough long I was partly ashamed with myself midway through, but then I carried it on. I know. I can see the commitment there. You had your arms going and everything. Yeah, and um, yeah, Selena was part of some of these episodes. Some, yeah, not all. The worst times. Let's go back to some seesaw classic. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast with your hosts T, Cleves, and Selena. Every week, bringing some much-needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark, disabled world. Welcome one and all back to Seesaw Podcast, the Frankenstein's monster that is Disability Podcasts. Worst book ever made. This week we are going to be doing a short stories episode. We Why have... are you talking like William Shatner? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise I was. This week we are talking about multiple episodes in one. Go. Well, you can edit that. Then we are going to talk about Frankenstein's monster. Thanks for that. You are welcome. <laughs> I was hoping you would clean it up in post. Nope. But no, oh, great. So this week we have a short stories episode with a load of guests that we've featured in previous episodes. Those episodes usually run a little bit long, but we still love the content and we are bringing it to you this week. Short stories with tea and Cleves and Selena, all the guests have takes that weren't good enough for the other shows. Short stories with tea and Cleves and Selena, short stories with Seesaw and some guests. Warning, no one is safe from short stories. So Cleves, who we got first? First up, we have Ellie that we talked about with just general acting. And um, she's been on a lot of shows in terms of Doctor Who and Call the Midwife. But this segment is more about what other people within the community think about her acting and her response to that. And also how sick our superheroes were that we made in those episodes. 
Short stories with Cecil Crew and Ellie Warwick acting out your rage and other people commenting. Short stories with Cecil Crew and Ellie Warwick. Short stories with Cecil Crew and guess. Warning may contain misguided comments. Have you ever had a director, producer, anyone else in the crew put you in a situation to make you look more disabled to emphasize the role? Yes, I don't think I can say what, and I'd rather not say exactly what, but yes, that's happened to me a couple of times, and each time I've said either no or this is weird, this makes me uncomfortable. That's actually um, fine, but like you said like before, it's, like, it's, it's okay to say no, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally okay to say no, and saying no is a big thing that I've got better at. Oh yeah, just another thing that I wanted to mention is that like with called the midwife and doctor who i remember when the episode came out i had some very weird hate comments and like okay i had some weird hate comments in general but some of them came from the visually impaired community which was like really weird and really Mm. like uncomfortable and i think sometimes what we forget is that everyone portrays themselves differently like just because i portrayed myself in a certain way doesn't mean that's true to everyone and that's what i had to reckon with when i was on set and i sort of said to the director like okay I'm okay with this. Someone else might not be. And and that's yeah. okay to, you know, boundary setting is one of the most important things that you can possibly do. What kind of comments were you getting? This is too depressing. Uh, she looks too blind. Or why doesn't she look blind enough? Or this isn't realistic to how I live my life. Stuff like that. It was It was weird. And I was sort of like, I didn't, I ended up not looking at them much. I looked at them a little bit just to sort of see, okay, are these genuine mm. criticisms? And some of them were, to be fair. Like some of them were like, all right, were I they? want to take that on board. Okay. Like one of them was like, I don't remember what it was. It, it was something to do with the way I moved, which probably is mildly internalized ableism for myself. Um, and we all dealt, we've all dealt with that. But like a lot of them were just very petty and very strange. And I was like, why are you? a random person who I've never met before judging me on how I like move and how I do things because everyone is different. Mm. I don't know. It was, a, it's, it's it was jealousy. surprising to me. That's what it is. It's jealousy. Like you, you've, mm. you've had a lot of great success. And if you're being criticized for like people saying, Oh, they, like, they don't look disabled enough or what, what they don't look blind. That sort of thing. Friendly. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Let's face true. it. 85% of vision impaired people in this country are unemployed, not doing anything with their life, and they don't care. Mm. You're actually out there doing things, positive things, trying to assist other visually impaired actors like in the space to get into roles. So any other any of those comments, you know what? Fuck them. Like, Fuck we them get- exactly. I appreciate that. It was difficult at the time, and I was only 18 as well, or 19, I think. For Call the Midwife, I was 19. And so I sort of internalised all of this shit and I was like, actually, I'm the worst actor ever and I should never work ever again. I mean, that is a bit of an exaggeration. That was kind of the way I was thinking. And I think, again, people forget, especially in the community that we're in, everyone knows each other. And Mm. so, you know, I could have found a mutual connection to those people that were saying that stuff about me. I chose not to because I was like, I don't want to I don't want to think about that. But like, it's so hard when I've you know, I've worked very, very hard for what I do. And yet still, sometimes things like that get to me. And I think they always will. And that's okay. It's okay to be upset by things. No one has, you know, incredibly thick skin. But I got out of the habit of purposefully looking up things about myself, because that was just really unhealthy. 
I know some people, you know, do look at hate comments about themselves. I can't, I cannot do that anymore because it's just like, mm. nah, I, I can't be asked with the negativity, of, you know, that I'm putting on to myself as well. Yeah, and it doesn't affect your forward trajectory either. So mm-hmm. there, there's no exactly. value in looking at it unless there's constructive side of things. But you, yeah, exactly. you're surrounded by professionals who can give you those points based on experience mm-hmm. out like within context. Like there and, are things in my previous performances that I, you know, I look back on and I'm like, why did I do that? Like, what? Why did I interpret it that way? And if I could do them again, I would do them differently. But that doesn't mean that I was shit. It just means that I had things to learn. Exactly. It's Thank just you. nothing anonymous people online. And, and we get those comments as well. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, we, we get stuff and it's Nothing. like, you don't speak for our community, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, because we speak for the community that you're not a part of. Like, that's the whole mm-hmm. point of the show. It's like there are people within your community who you might not realise are there, but we have a different perspective. So re- and it's always regardless. good to learn as well. It's always good to learn about new people. Yes, absolutely. I've got like this, let's just say, right, there's a superhero. Mm. And for example, they've got like six arms. And for some reason, they play like oh, a guitar. Gee, Jesus Christ. And the reason they play that is that they use the um, guitar for some reason to bounce notes off things in the sort of echolocation kind of way uh, in order <laughs> to see it around themselves. Or as a separate example, maybe there's just someone that is uh, fully blind that works in a library or something like that. And um, T, help me out with this. So what he's referencing is we actually have a series we haven't done for a while where we invented disabled superheroes. See, I enjoy this. And how their powers would negate their disability whilst also still remaining negated, like still being disabled, not like daredevil bullshit where he's blind but not actually blind. And that's how teams around it's like three guitars echo location incredible hearing see that is so ridiculous that i love it like i think that's (laughs) fantastic it's like okay so say say you've got a superhero that's like really good at echo location but say he's been put or or they've been put in a situation where for whatever reason they can't use echo location instead of having them suddenly come up with the most amazing solution to get out of it that means that oh well you know they they've suddenly done something to negate their blindness again have them be vulnerable and that's okay it's okay to show that disabled people can still be human beings and vulnerable Mm. like there's nothing wrong with that i don't know why people are so obsessed with erasing disability that's true i mean like lois lane was useless in all the superman adaptations and yeah great reporter but absolutely useless and it showed that that that's the human side of superman and like the whole man of steel bulletproof can't be killed by anyone yeah but the whole like the humanity of him is from like his love interest and that sort of thing and and you're right like if, if you have a character who has a disability you can give the human side of that by putting them in a circumstance where they haven't got the empowerment and that's a cut really good Charavelli. and i hope you enjoyed that well we hope you enjoyed that so coming up next we have a trio of excerpts from other guests we have robin linderman who is the blind photographer we also have macy lewis blind author and we have chad michael bowden so this next bit is going to be about the journey of blindness for robin and how they transitioned into blindness with being a photographer macy talks about audible 
and accessibility of reading. And we chat about gaming with Chad. It's a quick fire round that we normally save to the end, but we're doing it midpoint. Short stories with Seesaw, Kruma, Robin, Linderman, Macy Lewis, Chad, Michael Bolton, with more outtakes, accessible gaming, pet peeves and audible, short stories with Seesaw, crew and guests. Warning, quickfire rounds don't always come at the end of these episodes. What is the one big pet peeve you have that you wish was better, or things that uh, people without full sight What's the, your one pet peeve that you wish people would stop doing or would be easier? So for me, I don't think there's anything physical that I wish people would do. I think I wish people would understand that blindness is a spectrum. I think that's like the most important thing because I think people think blindness is black or white. Like you don't yeah. see or you see. Yeah. So I think that is like the number one thing. The hard thing for me when I say this is, some of the stupid questions I get asked, like, <laughs> oh, can you, you, glasses can't fix this? Or what about like vitamins? Or, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, you're right. Vitamins. Why didn't I think about vitamins? Miracle, vitamin C, gummy, like gummy chewables. That's all I needed. Oh, CBD. <laughs> That's what I've been told. Yeah. Oh, yeah. CBD. Get that. <laughs> Oh, it's a miracle. Thank you for your insight. But with that being said, I also feel like, I don't know about you guys in the UK, but in the US, we have become a society of victimization and everything offends everyone. So now everybody's afraid to ask any question about anything. So I would rather have people ask me stupid questions than skirt around me that makes me feel worse. But I know I get it because you can't say anything without somebody calling you an XYZ because you asked us a question. I think just the awareness and, you know, but I don't think I've had like so many physical restrictions yet that I can speak to. I have one question about the accessibility of the books you've written. Yep. How accessible are they to people that are visually impaired? As in, in what formats are they currently available? They're currently available on really the only way you can access them is via the Kindle app or your favorite bookstore, you know, online bookstore apps. Because Braille's expensive. I probably should look into getting it on Bookshare, but I haven't. As <laughs> that a would help then, too. Have you, yeah. ever, have you ever considered doing your own? audiobook for like audible or something like that like narrating it yourself i have but man i don't have a braille embosser so i'd (laughs) have to like get my friend to braille it or something and i don't know it's could be further down the line but for now i'm just kind of like you know what it's okay we'll just keep doing what i'm doing and uh see see what happens in the future and there's always like crowdfunding opportunities for that sort of thing. That's you know, true. That's a good point. Author. Mm. Like if it's going to mean that it's it's going to help you make you know another format, whether that be getting uh, an indie place to to do the audio, uh, like the audible version for you, or if you want the embosser to do it yourself, uh, there's always options out there because you know being a published author, you're all going to have your fans, people who really enjoy your content, and. That's always a really good way for indie authors to get out there. That's so true. I hadn't thought of that. 
See, there's there there was a point of coming on this podcast. Myself, <laughs> good ideas. Yeah, we can brainstorm together. And yeah, and, that, and that's the reason I ask. I mean, like I when I consume now, I tend to consume books uh, from an audible perspective. I, I sometimes read it in large print, but I have to be in the mood because I get tired quite quickly. Do you yeah. read Braille? I cannot read Braille. I can, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's expensive, and you know. Yeah. Audible, man. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm lazy. I, I go for no. Audible just on laziness. It's wake up in the morning, about to hop to shout, press play. And it's like, I'm doing other stuff while I'm reading. And I get through so many other books because if I just sat down to read, I would just get twitchy really quick. <laughs> hey, maybe you could crowdfund someone to read it for you mm. with fun. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear my voice on. <laughs> A book Ugh. well yeah I'm like that, a cartoon character or something <laughs> maybe you could do some of the voices as the characters though no yeah. can you imagine like this high tiny voice trying to be a manly man <laughs> maybe there's a, a, a popular podcast it. you know of um, <laughs> oh say. yeah <laughs> i'd like to hear you guys do some girl voices Oh, God. <laughs> I think we'll try that when the uh, recording stops. There you go. I can't, I can't do it without sounding extremely sexist. I <laughs> on a side note, what do you think of The Last of Us Part Two from a so, playability perspective and also the game? I guess. So, for one reason, I understand where people hate it in terms of the story. I really do understand when it comes to the narrative aspect that it is not everybody's favorite game. I um, I'm not a fan of where Ellie went in terms of her revenge. I really, mm. you know, I I don't like that. But listen, Tanani Dog, I respect you for wanting to tell your story and not compromising and telling that story. So whether I agree with you or not doesn't matter. What I am thankful for you is creating a game that is now being used as the basically springboard for what is now becoming accessibility and inclusivity in the video game community. Because Naughty Dog has always been a company that has kind of been ahead of its times. If we think back to the Uncharted 4 game, they were doing a lot of things that are now being copied when it comes to games. And really, they have really kind of created this blueprint of what accessibility gaming can be. And I still think there is a lot of cultural issues when it comes to West versus East, because as much as I love Nintendo, they are so behind the times when it comes to accessibility. I mean, listen, I I don't want to hate on them, but Nintendo, get your fucking game together. Let's fucking go. Let's get some accessibility. True. And let's not just be a port of a Microsoft or Sony. Come on. Mm, yeah. Um, but The Last of Us Part 2, and of course, before that, Uncharted 4, has really been like, hey, this is what accessibility gaming can be. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. 
be. And I have been so thankful because when I originally played um, Kingdom Hearts 3, I will never forget calling my mom on the phone saying, Mom, I don't think I'm going to play games anymore. Um, Gaming has been so important to me. Gaming has always been that thing that has allowed me to escape my reality and not let me think of who I am and who I am in the reality of just being visually impaired. So I almost gave up on gaming. And I'm so thankful for Naughty Dog for being a game company that's not going to compromise when it comes to accessibility. Because when it comes to me, you have given me a future to where I can continue to game. We played Mm -hmm. Last of Us 2 together, didn't we? Yeah. And it wasn't like we were sitting in front of it like two kids, like putting their faces up Mm -hmm. against the screen. It was like, no, we were sitting on the couch, both of us. Mm -hmm. We had uh, sitting on the couch, we had a beer there and like snacks. Like, Mm -hmm. this is something we can play. Yeah. We can fucking fucking play this. And we did. And we played it twice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was so important to have that game and to have that company that was not going to compromise. They were going to include everything that visually impaired people needed to get through this game because without that game, I probably would not be a gamer still to this day because I see so many problems when it comes to the gaming community, when it comes to visually impaired gamers. They are, and listen, I'm not trying to bash them they do so much for the other disability communities but i just feel they don't touch upon us as much and it really is discouraging to just start up a game and know that from the beginning these menus are not narrated so that we know what we're going to be playing and to have the game with the last of us part two and to have a company like naughty dog it has been so important for me in accessibility as a whole. You needed a mainstream company to do it as well. That's the yeah. thing. But then Microsoft are on top of that. Like, Chad, you played The Veil. It's been amazing to work with Microsoft. Um, honestly, I really think their accessibility team is amazing. And getting to work with them, and of course, I can't say too much, <laughs> but getting to work with them and know what they're doing it's amazing. They are changing lives and they are continuing to make sure that we are not forgotten because I think it is so easy to just be like, well, it's a small market. So what's, what's who cares? Who fucking cares? We don't yeah, have yeah. to. We're going to make our money. We're going to make our millions no matter what. Yeah. Um, but they care. They truly care. And I think in terms of not only their console, but their controller, that is key their controller is so accessible when it comes to the disabled gamer i give them all the credit and the endorsement that they deserve i have no idea how any of that was because that all predated me whether that was good content or not it was probably better because it predated you i like to think i brought a lot of listeners to the show we're all delusional in our own ways. <laughs> Definitely. Talking of delusions or illusions, next up, we've got the magnificent magician, Tyler Gipgop. Talking boy. about... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't deny that, did I? No. no, I think I love magic. That's why I like Tyler. 
And he's going to tell us a bit about people that inspire him to be the magician that he is. And we've also got a bit of fun to finish off this episode. I mean, it's a fun episode generally, isn't it? But we've got Sam from the Blind Life podcast doing a bit of a Price is Blind. Short stories with Seesaw Crew and special guests. Stories full of magic and intrigue and crazy price products. Short stories with Tyler Gibbler and Sam CV. Short story with Seesaw Crew and guests. Warning, prices may mystify. What are your thoughts on the sort of old school kind of magic? You know, rabbit out of a hat, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I am fond of it. I mean, every every kind of magic has to come from somewhere. Every kind of art. So... I obviously can can appreciate that old school type of magic, sawing the lady in half, pulling rabbits out of hats, making things you know di- disappear, reappear. Again, I think that a lot of magic today draws influence from that uh, and inspiration. And so you really can't say that this magic is so much better than that old school sort of magic that you may have seen in movies or shows, uh, just because. It's it's all gone its roots from there, you know. It, it there would be no sort of foundation for magic today without without that. Personally, I don't perform those kinds of grand, huge illusions where you're like sawing the lady in half, or you know, making a rabbit appear into a hat or whatever it is. But I think again, because magic today has its roots in in that kind of old school magic. A lot of the principles that I use and other magicians I know use today are founded off of principles that was created back then. So there's really something to appreciate there, I think. And who is it that you think are the sort of top magicians at the moment? Who is it that you're thinking are doing the sort of best magic that you not necessarily idolize, but you think I would like to do something like that? My personal favorite magician of all time is this Spanish magician known as Juan Tamaris. He is known to be a huge influence on the magic community because number one of his incredible charisma. I mean, if you ever seen this person on stage, if you've ever seen videos of, of Juan on stage, you'll feel the energy. I mean, he just lights up every room he, he performs in because he has this performing style like nobody else you've ever seen before. He'll, he'll yell and scream on stage out of excitement and, and, he can perform the most silly, boring, least suspenseful trick, but make it the best ever because of his presentation style. And I think that's what's so important, right? And that's what I tell people is that magic is 80% of that presentation and your personality, and then 20% of the actual trick. That's where the enjoyment comes from. It's, it's the presentation. Anyone can really learn a trick off of YouTube or off of a book, but not many people can perform magic. I think the very big distinction to draw there is, you know, how you're performing it, right? Not just the trick itself. So Juan Temonis is a big inspiration for me. I also look up to people like David Blaine and Aussie Wind, who are other phenomenal magicians. They are, they've been very influential in the magic community. Danny Ortiz is another big one. And I'm sure many of you have heard the name Houdini. That's a big influence as well. Houdini is a very old school magician, passed away a while ago, but his performing style and, and his approach to magic revolutionized everything. Because not only did he do those magic tricks and those illusions, but you know, he did these stunts, you know, getting handcuffed underwater and having to break free, holding his breath. He did a lot of dangerous stuff. So I, I think again, those 
four or five magicians I named definitely have had a big influence on me and I think are very influential in general in the community. You mentioned their presentation style. Have you found... There is a blind card mechanic. He's not a magician, but he, he calls himself a card mechanic because, you know, just like a car mechanic can fix a car or any kind of mechanic can fix, you know, something, a card mechanic can fix a card game. It's like a card cheat. Now, this man is known as Richard Turner, and he's fully blind. And he's known to be, despite his blindness, the number one card cheat and sleight of hand performer in the world. Because for decades, he has masterfully practiced these extremely hard and challenging sleight of hand moves that 1% of people in the world can do. So his approach to everything is, oh, I don't have a blindness. I don't have a visual impairment. I'm not blind. You know, please don't refer to me as someone who's blind. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm blind. I don't even want I don't even want to leave it up for interpretation. You know, Richard Turner is someone who who genuinely doesn't want anything to do with his blindness. He wants to separate himself completely from it. His whole philosophy is I'm Richard Turner, not Richard Turner with the visual impairment. For me, I've taken less of an intense approach. So this is a new type of mobility cane. This is the Giza hand. LED mobility cane, Giza, like in, in Egypt, Giza hand. Okay. I don't know where they came up with that name, but that's what it is. What makes this it different is, from a regular cane then? Hit me up. <laughs> so this is uh, your standard um, cane. It's it's going to be made out of probably uh, aluminum. I'm not entirely sure, but it is a folding mobility cane, golf club tip or golf club grip, excuse me, rolling ball tip or rolling marshmallow tip. Um, I believe five segments, four or five segments, um, comes in different lengths. What, but what separates this from your average everyday run of the mill cane is that is it is an led cane. So the bottom section of the Giza hand cane actually lights up. It has LEDs built inside of it. And okay. in the handle, there is the the cap on the handle where the um the wrist strap comes out of pops off and you can insert a cylindrical uh rechargeable external battery down into it and when you click it into place and put the cap back on the led bottom led section lights up okay why is this good for me if i'm like either blind or let's say i'm night blind right because that's when i'm going to predominantly use my cane why would sure. I need my cane to light up? So it has two two benefits. And uh, number one is, and probably the most important is for identification. It lets everyone around you see you. Um, so if you're walking around at night for safety, you are illuminated and everybody can see you. Uh, so, you know, cars, bicycle traffic, that kind of thing. Side note, when I was doing the review for this, my daughter and I were out in my neighborhood taking pictures out on the street for the thumbnail and uh, a neighbor coming home in that evening, it was, it was dark, turned the corner a couple blocks down onto our street and immediately stopped in their car. And we got out of the middle of the street because we were in the street taking photos. And then they came down and pulled into their driveway. And when they got out, they said that they saw us, immediately saw us as soon as they turned onto our street, which once again, a couple blocks down Yeah. and thought, oh, wait, something's going on. Let's stop. So 
that's its main function is it provides, um, you know, illumination for you and, and people can see you for a safety reason. But if you do have low vision uh, or some type of night blindness, it does illuminate your path a little bit. It works really well for like curb, seeing curb steps, things like that. Uh, you do kind of run into the thing where, you know, it, it's a bright light. So it kind of distracts a little bit, makes things a little bit harder to see actually in the evening. But, you know, your immediate path right in front of you, you can see it. It illuminates that uh, reflective surfaces like cars and things. It shines off of those and makes those easier to see. Did you find it direct your attention a little bit? You know, if I had a like a light at the bottom of my cane, I think I'd be drawn to it a little bit. Like <laughs> I'd be looking at the bottom of the cane as opposed to straight ahead and where I should be going. It does. It does. You are correct. And that was a criticism that I, I had in my review. Um, it, it does draw you down. And the other little bit of criticism I had during my review was that because that bottom section is full of LEDs, it's a little bit more flexible than the other sections. So when you're walking along, it does tend to catch on things a little bit more than a normal uh, segmented aluminum cane would. It's not too bad, though. You just have to kind of work with it a little bit more. Is it any fatter at the top because of the battery? Not too much. No, they did a pretty good job of um, incorporating all of that into the handle. There is a little bit thicker handle than normal, but not too bad at all. My other thing is, can you switch the tip on it? Yes, it does. It is uh, compatible with hook style tips, uh, Ambutex style hook style tips. Awesome. Okay. I suppose my only question is, does it make you feel more or less like a Jedi? <laughs> it helps. It definitely helps. Um, now, there is another product, another LED cane on the market called the Blind Jedi. And um, this one's actually out of the out of the, the Netherlands, I believe. And this is it's, it's an open source project. So you can you can download the schematics and 3D print your own light up Jedi cane if you want. They have all the materials and everything like that. Um, oh, and then there's another one coming out. I'm going to be doing a video about soon, hopefully about a, a gentleman who created another light up LED cane. And that one looks very Jedi like as well. But I will say. <laughs> If you do like attention, walk around with a light up LED cane. You will be the hit of the party. (laughs) (laughs) Attention in a good way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So shall we take a crack, Cleves, at uh, guessing how much this costs? Look, this is what I'm thinking, right? You can. I I picked up my regular cane for around about 45 quid. So I'm going to double that. Let's go for dollars. Oh, yeah, let's go dollars. I'm going to say $120. That's my guess. I, I, you just got very close to what I was going to do. I'm going to go $149.99. So Sam, how much does the geezer cane set you back? Okay. So those are all very, very valiant efforts on your part there. I am currently looking at a website that is selling the Giza hand LED cane for a whopping $225. Ooh. So I think that's a point for me. I was way off, but I didn't go a penny over. Yeah, true. Do you think that's justified, Sam? No, Wait. no, I, I, think that's, <laughs> I think that's pretty high. <laughs> okay, fair. 
Wow. No, I think that's, I think that's way too high. Um, I, I, I could kind of justify, you know, the, the $120, you know, those prices. Yeah. Um, ideally under a hundred would be great, but yeah. And we are back. We hope you have enjoyed this. I don't know what I was about to say. You nearly said no. love. It was love <laughs> yeah, strong. I hope you loved it. <laughs> mm, yes. We hope you have loved this episode because we loved chatting to all these lovely people. I'll say and we are again. really grateful for everyone coming on this show. It's, yeah. That's a lot of guests, you know. There you go. Next week, you'll have to wait and see. That's that's it. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Until <laughs> <So> then. Yeah, <laughs> until then. okay? No, I'm dying. <laughs> All right, so next yeah. week it will be me and Selena because Clint is uh, having some sort of episode. But until then, bye. <laughs>Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us, so if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. You can find us on Twitter at Seesaw Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Seesaw Podcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com. Remember to like, rate, review, and share with a friend. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience. That was a short stories episode with Seesaw Crew. They take ten times longer to edit than a normal lap. You gotta wonder where the payoff is. Seriously, the episode clocked in at 35 minutes, 40 seconds. <laughs>